All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and our guest, returning guest, and probably our most prolific guest, Samuel Hoffman. Okay, so why don't we, it's been a while, why don't we reiterate to our audience? You know, our, our YouTube audience is um, fanatical about you. But, you know, our terrestrial audience, um, maybe not so much. So why don't we reiterate to them what we're discussing today? We're talking about how our solar system is a binary solar system with two stars, and most people don't know that. Correct, and two sets of planets, and um, you could look at them, uh, and, and don't forget, you know, the asteroid groups and the, the moons and everything, the negative charge bodies as well. Um, yeah, we are a, uh, uh, 83.3% of all solar systems have two or more stars, two, three, four, et cetera. And we also live in a binary solar system. This is what my paper was on 1978, why I was sequestered into not talking about it for 30 years from 1980 on. And then so once uh, 2010 hit, uh, I started talking again. And then, of course, I had a close path sighting where I saw the planets out in, you know, in my yard. And I went, oh, my God, they're here. So that's, of course, when I uh, decided to start um, Montana Skywatcher, because we can never get pictures of, of daily reports. Everything we saw was two, three, four weeks old. It was all hard to get together and match this up and, you know, what part of the planet it was on and get all this together. So we, you know, formed Montana Skywatchers one, and that started out as a private group, and I had some, some tight scientists and some big people in there for a while, and, you know, and then they started running into trouble with it, and getting their lives got disrupted and of course so they, they backed off they, they they're still around but they just don't communicate as much um anyway back to the two st solar system we have a binary solar system we always have we always will it's a, it's a very stable uh two planet two sun system with two planetary groups now the Nibiru system is tightly held together and they're traveling to the center of our solar system and our solar system is smaller than the larger other solar system and we are spread out and spiral in a larger spiral, spiral elliptical around the other group. And then we transition sides around Imaru, which is a very vast gas giant that holds the two stars together and the two solar systems. So when we say that the other one is larger, are we saying that it's larger in mass or that it's larger right. in... Right. Space. It's, a, it's, a, it's a standard red, and our soul is a dwarf yellow, and it's much, much smaller. Now, if you look at a lot of the pictures that we share on a regular basis, um, you can see the, the, the central smaller, our sun, is in front, and there, the second larger one is behind it, and they currently are co-orbiting in the center of the system. Now, exactly how that works, I do not know, because one at one period of time started coming up from them below and we were getting shots of the way out in deep space in 2008 and 2009. But you have to have special cameras in order to see it. And the, the human eye couldn't even see it, but if you held your, your little tiny cam, you know, cam picture thing, they came out with them about 2005 and then they took a whole bunch of them away and I think that's partially why. But if you held your camcorder up and showed it in deep space, you could see the big, huge red blob for, for years before it even got here. And we kept watching it and kept watching it and was wondering what the heck is that you can't see it with the human eye, but you put the camera up and there it is. And this, of course, goes along with the, the, you know, the birds chirping in the middle of the night and, uh, in 2010, 2011. They are seeing something that we, our human eye could not see. So there's a lot to that part of the thing. There's stuff going on right in front of our faces that we cannot see. So when you say that the, 
the sun is behind our sun. Does that does that mean that they're in some form of tidal lock? Right. They're in a they're in a in a, a co-orbiting um, capacitor like you know attraction discharge scenario where they're you know they when the second sun got here in in, in became proximity placement with our star. There was the backblow CMEs of 2011, 2012. And then the solar activity of our star, Sol, went kind of blank and everybody who was, you know, major sun scientists and who followed the 11 year cycle and ebb and flow of that was all suddenly shocked because the behavior of the star was not normal. And all of a sudden we didn't have any CME activity and the coronal holes were all literally vanished and there was very little activity on on our star after 2012 for the longest time and then he wondered what the oh our star's dying or our magnetosphere is about to quit or all of this stuff and that's not what's really going on our, our stars are quite stable what's going on is the larger star behind our star was pulling back most of the material into it and i believe there's been a you know that going on for multiple years now we recently have seen that the, the, the solar outputs have suddenly changed. And of course, they're trying to drastically scramble for new diagrams to tell them what cycle we're in and all this. But, I, you know, and the back blows that are occurring are now side blows. So I believe that the separation is somewhere it's soon. And we've got other people on uh, New Group Followers Anonymous. I've been watching this pretty heavily. But, you know, it's really hard to attribute the second sun separating uh, from our star especially since currently right now we have more asteroids so the big asteroid groups are crossing the sun and everybody sees these illuminated objects and go oh look it's the second sun you know and so it's you know we have to have a, a series of proof before we can actually uh you know say that this is actually occurring um separation should be sometime soon so solar activity and behavior of the, of the cmes and, and these waves of stuff that has been affecting everybody's computers and televisions and phones and you name it for the longest time including our moods and our behavior and how we feel all that we are being affected by this activity on the star and 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 then of course there's always been the rumors from from the varsian groups and stuff about the shot across the bow and so that's expected there's something activity about to happen in doing that you write the paper and you speculate that this is the case right right and i gave three examples of what we could be on this paper and they all listed within the soft metal groups on the periodic chart having to do with two atoms etc right but with you speculating what did that moment what was the moment that you realized that it wasn't speculation any longer that you said oh this is it um or I, or did you feel that when you when I you made the speculation I didn't really ever hit that until um, literally a few years ago, because I've been, you know, grinding on it in my, in my head and, and, you know, the government did their thing to down me publicly and right in front of my face and, you know, suppress me and tell me how crazy I, and how arrogant I was for thinking that I was right. And yet at the same time here, they had out of the blue taken notice on me, yanked me, you know, across the country. And if I was wrong and stupid and crazy, why did they even bother with me in the first place? I mean, that wouldn't have occurred. And so for years, I sat there and sat there, and I was going like, am I out of my mind or what? I mean, and I, I kind of blew it off and thought, well, nah. and then, of course, then I got attention from other sources, including the, the Pleiadian abduction scenario, where they started filling me in on some of the things I would yet do and be doing now as I'm doing currently by communicating to everybody and telling them about this. 
and I was told that I could only be the, person, the only one that was going to be able to do this, blah, 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 all the other extra details. But I don't think I ever really realized that I was absolutely right until we started watching all of these planets come in one by one, and they matched the colors of what I was told. And that was around 2013, 2014. Now, I went, Holy. Under, this initial, under this initial situation, you were under an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. Right. Why do you think they let that lapse? I mean, I understand well, I, paperwork, I, but when I think of the government, I don't think of them as going, well, them's the rules. We got to let them off now. You know, it's like. Well, they, you know, they told, and I asked, I said, well, why not a 50-year non-disclosure agreement that way by the, you know, by the time I'll be dead by then or late 60s or 68 and, or whatever at the time. If they had gone 50 years, I would have been 68 years old before it was over. But anyway, um, I asked about that, and they, and I said, why only 30 years? And and they, of course, told me that after that it wouldn't matter, and we had this conversation on a previous show. and. I, you know, they weren't even going to let me go, and I, they, you know, kept wanting me to go to these other jobs all over the place, and I was just not doing well with them, and that's so why I finally ended up being brought back to Montana in handcuffs after uh, volunteering to have a good portion of my memory erased. How does and, that work? Well, it worked apparently pretty darn good with the exceptions. There are certain little things that I stuck little anagrams in my head on purpose to remind me, and they kind of worked. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't yet to remember. No, I mean, how does one erase memory? Well, you go, you go into the brain, into the memory storing areas, and you reverse the polarity on the magnetic charge that laid them in, I guess. You you know, I guess it's some sort of alien technology. You know, they know far more about the brain than than we do. And obviously, there's a sh- certain amount of sharing. of. I mean, you know, look at men in black, you know, those little flashers. And, and you don't form memories. It's sort of like that, that medication that they give you when you go into surgery. They'll, they'll give you this combination of stuff that you experience it, but you, you don't lay down the memory of during. You immediately forget after the process. Yeah, I've had that. I wonder if like somewhere deep in my psyche, because I had it for an uh, endoscope. You know, they shove the tube mm-hmm. down your throat. And I wonder if like somewhere deep in my psyche I had like this horrifying experience that I've repressed. Yeah, right. Right. And see, this is what happens to me during surgery, too. And this is what happened to me during the Pleiadian abduction event was I sit up on the table after they fully put me out. They cannot keep me asleep. And this is why, you know, the Pleiadian freaked out and they took me aside and they had me in a little doorway and looking outside at the forest while I'm sitting inside their little ship being handcuffed in these really cool handcuffs that go from up underneath your legs and then around your wrists. And you're in this sitted four way handcuff leg cuff thing. And I sat there and they took me aside and told me all kinds of stuff. So, you know, and this was not just a short conversation either. And they were very surprised that they couldn't keep me out. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you're reporting in the skies now. What well, are I we seeing you six, now? I sent, you five, I sent you five pictures on the PM. Yeah. And of course, our viewers, our, our listeners, our interviewers, our listeners can't unfortunately see them at this time, but the top picture is, is on the left-hand side is, uh, is Satum and a Satum's yellow moon, which is in front of Nibiru. I mean, it's quite distant away from each other, but it's, it's, they're passing Earth close by now during the day, and literally by evening, um, if you look to the north-northwest, 
Um, everything on the right-hand side of the sun in the early evening is planet, and it is Isatum, Isatum Shalom Moon, and a massive sky-filling Nibiru, as far as the eye can see, all the way literally to, to the north-northeast. Just huge sky-filler. And these onsets, of course, and Uri is on the left all day long, and now Atu and Atu's white moon are very close to overpassing Earth, when, and we've got numerous, numerous pictures this week, and they're all really, really good and clear, rounded shots where you can see the round bottoms of the planets, and they're huge. And the Pessidy, of course, is now doing a side planetary thing again where it's dumping all sorts of mass rain and rain bombs, and you can see that big triple triple-layered open green core that passes all these places and kicks up these horrible storms, which is why there's major flooding all over our planet as well. And we've got a circulating picture where we say, you know, that feeling you get when Nepesity passes you by, and of course it's Jeff Goldblum in a, in a semi-open shirt, that drawing of Jeff Goldblum going around everywhere. So we've got one of him sitting in front of Nepesity. I didn't do it, but somebody did, but we, but we use it a lot, so... And thank you if you're the maker, because it's perfect. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, the planets are going over the top of us. And at any given time, you should be able to step straight outside and look. If you look straight up and see dark, 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 weird, dark blue skies, and then you look at the horizon and you're looking at a light blue, well, the light blue is the real sky. And these dark shaded things and now remember there's atmospheres around these but even when they're close over and they don't have a huge atmosphere you're seeing this dark 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 purple blue planet now most of them will change toward a more blue the closer they get to earth because we're staring through our, our blue shaded watery atmosphere and that of course affects a lot of what we see but uh Isatum has been affecting the sunsets for the last month or so really heavy, and they had red fog the other day on, in, I think, the U.K., or it's somewhere in Europe. But And that has to do also with the light angle of the sun refracting off the side edges of the planets. Now, a few years ago, when uh, Atu, the purple planet, was prominent in that angle, and yet... It, it crossed from one side to the other over a number of years. But when it was prominent in the angles and the sun would refract off it, that's when we had all those really cool purple sunsets and really cool purple illuminations at night that everybody was attributing to grow houses and stuff, and yet it, it lit up in the entire night sky. And so they were always, you know, doing the uh, the disinfo and everything else, you know, trying to write everything off and give you this little tidbit that says, oh, okay, I accept that, and then you move on. Because, they're, you know, they're fighting left and right and up and down trying to hide all of this stuff, and, and of course, they've not done a great job because we've been watching the planets come in and go by for 12 years now. And it's quite active. I mean, hugely active. And anyone who knows what they're looking at, you cannot miss these planets. And you've got to spend a little time out there watching. And you've got to understand what you're looking for. But once you, I mean, these things are so huge, I don't know how we are missing them. Anyway, your turn. Well, you know, you're talking about its effect on weather and and stuff like that. I'm I'm just curious, you know, how open of a secret is this? I mean, is this... Shouldn't um, me meteorologists maybe be aware? If, if the one or two of them who have actually spent the time, and I, I run into this with a lot of people, with a lot of new folks, they go, I was wondering what was wrong with the skies, but I couldn't put a pin to it. 
And um, now all meteorologists in the United States are employees of the FCC. And they were told in the mid-90s that if they started doing silly stuff, they would lose their licenses, etc. And you may have noticed that we no longer see radar on television. They show us these computer-generated colored graphic models. They don't even show real uh, radar footage anymore. And that's because some of this radar footage actually shows stuff and, and asteroids that will come into uh, our atmosphere as well and cause these cross-trail effects. Um, they don't want people to see this at all. And they are that close where they literally skip or drive into the lower or the, the upper parts um, of our atmosphere and their lower atmosphere. And now remember, the planets do not collide. They electrically repel each other because I believe they have an opposite polarity. And that's why we don't steal any of the other planets as well. And, you know, theirs is theirs and ours is ours. And we, we come in close. Now, there's been an excruciating number of magnetosphere photos, graphic models that we use regularly to see uh, the Earth's magnetosphere in a behavior, which has also got other people freaked out going, oh, look, our magnetosphere is dying. No, well, that's not what's going on. Our magnetosphere is being buffered and in developed by the larger planets when they come in for a close pass. I mean, we literally get shoved to the side. Again, you know, we're talking about being seasick. And, and I think that Earth is wobbling so bad right now that that's probably why I'm seasick. I don't know, but I've had these bouts here a couple of times last month or so where all of a sudden I feel like I'm on a dang boat. And I'm just wondering why. But then I have very good hearing and very good sense of smell and blah, blah, blah. So, um... But we are, we're drastically being affected by these planets. We're being shoved to the side. A month ago, the, 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 right before the full moon, the moon was way up in the north sky. And then two days later, it was way to the south. When Earth moves, not the moon. We are, you know, our view of the moon has never throughout history ever changed. And now all of a sudden, our light angles are wrong. And where the moon is versus, you know, way up in the north one day and way down in the south two days later, that doesn't happen. So, you know... A question that comes to mind, and it might not, you know, fit um, something that you know, I, I don't know. Um, but with the planets repelling each other in this electrical instead of gravitational pull, um, that really weighs on me with how, how are planets formed then? Or is this sort of a macro and micro level of not dissimilar from... Well, you know, quantum um, mechanics the, uh, versus... When our solar system first formed, and they say this is roughly about six billion years ago or eight, somewhere, I mean, science varies because not everybody agrees. Um, there, you know, we had the quote-unquote Big Bang and all the dust and the particles and everything. And, we, and, and formation comes to do a lot with the star. You've got to have something that holds this metal in place and this electrical attraction, static cling, whatever... You know, like you pull one sock out of the dryer, you get three. Um, and there is, when you have, when you have uh, an asteroid that has a positive charge, it stays in an occupied space. And then you have all the stellar material that flies by it on a regular basis from, you know, CME bursts and astral this and everything. So these things become, it becomes it's what's known as stellar rounding. And this is what I tell a lot of people. If an asteroid is negatively charged, it's going to be multi-shaped and, you know, glass-like and other things, you know, conglomerate clusters, maybe two or three stuck together. But when you put a core to that and it becomes 
a stable place held uh, proton, uh, for better lack of calling anything else, for proton or electron. Then it stays in place, and then the stellar material or millennium goes by, and this thing gets round because all the stuff in it spins and spins and spins, and which adds to the core, which adds to the charge, which adds to the, the molten core, which makes it start gathering more material of like material, positively charged, etc. And then that's how planets get bigger and round. And that's how you shoot down the flat Earth people. Right. Anyway. Well, speaking of the flat Earth people, this oh, is I- <clears throat> this is a good segue. <laughs> Because, you know, this this world seems to be more and more invested in what is loosely referred to as conspiracy theory. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. I just it's, do you it's, find it's that it's getting do you find that it's getting more aggressive and, and difficult out there with uh, trying to share this stuff? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we had an event with Facebook today that I'm still yet to understand the full ramifications of. Uh, we don't get to choose who we add as members now. They just get to join. So that's going to create a whole lot of trolls and a whole lot of spiritual nutballs and a whole bunch of flat earthers or God only knows what's going to show up. So we're going to have to, you know, we now have to play tag ball. Um, but yeah, it's gotten worse because there are so many people that are drastically lost and, and they have a tendency to cheer to choose the things that don't scare them the most. And they'll say, oh, okay, well, then we got to be, you know, we're on a flat earth and then we're in a matrix and there's some giant alien that's taking care of us. And see, that settles their mind as to say that they're not going to die next week. And so they choose, and I can't say for them because I'm so, you know, doggone science crazy. And I mean, I'm so obsessed that I have to understand it in a, in a, in a tactful way and in a, in a, something tactile that I can actually hold on to in my own head. But I don't understand the level of lack of education. I don't understand how the lack of concern. And I hear this all the time. Everybody says, well, what can we do about it? So they immediately shut down and then they stop thinking about it. And I don't know how people do that. So I'm not really able to fully answer that, but yes, it's gotten worse especially with a certain person who showed other people uh, publicly of the thing called ulterior, what was it, alternative facts? And I just, you know, and if, and I, I am willing to argue with modern science, but yet I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater as well and, and, and leap off the cliff and say, everything's real, including faces and all, you know, fallen angels. And all. I'm, I'm not going there with any of that stuff. You know, let's let's stick to what we know and why we know it. And we'll cut some of this misinformation. You know, I mean, for everybody said, oh, the winged Nibiru planet. And I dealt with that one for 10 years. And I'm still getting people that still believe that Nibiru is red. And I still get people that say, oh, look at that little dot on the thing. That's Nibiru. No, Nibiru is not a dot. Nibiru is massive, and it's a sky filler. And it's filling up the entire half of our view every day. And Yuri's on the other side with Atu and Atu's moon, et cetera. So, um, and we, you know, repeatedly we said they got to get on board with this. But if they don't start studying into the real science, I don't know what the heck they're doing in the first place, why they're even quoting conspiracy science, because it's useless and they should go back to watching Dancing with the Stars or something. I don't know. It's like a living I, I, I can't. I can't <laughs> go on that one. Other than I don't. I don't understand them. <laughs> I don't understand how we've been watching this for 12 years and nobody sees it. And it's plain as day. 
Well, let me ask you this. You know, like informing a sheep that it's a sheep. How does that really help it? So I'm I'm definitely curious, you know, you're saying people need to get on board. What is getting on board? What What's the end goal of getting on board? Just everybody being smarter and, and knowing more? Or is there an end goal to getting on board? Well, let's hope that... Let's hope that not everybody buys what they're handing out in free sandwiches. Let's once in a while be a little discerning and ask if there's Swiss cheese or American on this sandwich before we take a bite out of it. Let's see if we can maybe further reality, because there's a lot of money going to a lot of places, to a lot of countries, to a lot of stuff over something that doesn't really exist. In a lot of cases, they're like writing their own paychecks to abuse the system. And we have to be a little more discerning, I think. I, I think uh, hopefully the, the realization that there are, are other racers, races so immediately, you know, let's talk about the Texas Cube and the Long Box Cube, which is invisible as heck. I mean, they're right here right now. And people should stop, you know, pointing the fingers and saying, well, Republicans and Democrats and start realizing that, you know, and I'm not going to say there's an enemy above us, but there's an enemy above us. And not that we can beat them, but we have to somehow rethink our entire position on how we're going to go forward in the next cycle because we've just entered the sixth stage. So here we go. I, you know, I, I would like to see a kinder treatment of the planet. I would kind of like to watch greed go somewhere else and people start wondering why they're spending all their money on this, that, and the other thing when there are other important, more important things like people and our environment and, you know, cleaning all the garbage out of the oceans and maybe burying that damn Fukushima underneath a few feet of concrete for one. You know, if they're going to worry about something, let's start flying some concrete over the top of Fukushima because we're all getting sick from it right now. I know I have thyroid cancer from Fukushima. Cesium-213. And, you know, and that's not even being written down in the CDC because they don't want people to know. No, so I, I have a question. Why are they doing that? You know, I mean, are we so completely out of control that they're just doing damage control by not mentioning it? And yet they're talking about building many little reactors. Whoa. Hey, you know, so let, let's let's grow a little bit out of this and realize there's a lot more going on than we know. And there's people right there. Right. Right. Now, you just said that we are just entered a new stage. What are the stages? Well, um. There's the metaphysical versions, of course, but um, if you look at the Mayan calendar, they have uh, there's a central face with a skull in it, and then there's the four squares around it, and those are the previous harbingers of doom at the end of the, each of the cycles. Um, this new age is supposed to be one where we uh, become more enlightened and hopefully start learning a few better things. And like, you know, let's get away from some of the crazy stuff and electronics and start, you know, going to natural sciences and health. And I mean, who knows? I would love to know all of that information, but I know, I know what the metaphysical rumors are and all the, you know, and the butterflies and unicorns and, and people being saved and going to another planet, but I've never been able to see any of these, um, as, as, as possible. Um, I, I know that we're in for a lot more trouble for a longer period of time before this all stabilizes again, because what we're seeing is a destructive force that has yet to be completed. Trouble and from us or trouble from them? 
well, planet Earth, for one, is going to go through, it's got to go through a, re- a reboot. Every time the Nibiru crossing occurs, the tectonic plates and things all start moving and shifting, and that way it reboots new gold, and it reboots new silver and copper and aluminum and oil and gas and all the commodities that they collect for next time when they come back next. Because if if we deplete our Earth, which is part of the natural process of why, the passing of Nibiru affects Earth the way it does is his plant. So, are... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to speculate beyond, you know, the, the knowledge of the, the, the destructive force. And, you know, and I base this information off of, you know, 1750 B.C. through 1600 B.C., which is the last passing of the, of the planetary group. And if you look at, at the, the ice core records, we went through massive heat raises. Um, everything literally fried. There was um, civilizations vanished all over, uh, the, you know, the Mycenaeans, the Minoans, and all of this during this same period of time. And, you know, massive volcanic activity and ice age activity and, and of course, global warming activity, which is all showing up in all of them, you know. And they don't talk about it because they don't really have a basis to stick their neck out as scientists and say, well, this happened. And because if they don't agree with everybody else, they get ostracized. And, you know, this, this empirical science has a tendency to be a little cutthroat. And if you venture too far one way or another... You're cut off from the system, and you can't publish or get paid or work at a college or anything else like this. And we owe that all to a little bit to prejudice of science. But we haven't really seen any new science in in over 200 years. So is that what our future has in store because of this is basically ice age and tectonic moving and just mass destruction? We're going to see some excruciating changes. I, you know, I, I think we're going to get hotter and hotter for a little while, and then, you know, I mean, look at look at all the uh, Cappadocia underground cities, and that all boils down to that same time period. You know, give or take a hundred years or so, and they, of course, could be inaccurate in their calling of when you know this took place, and so it's all real close in time, and so I'm massively inclined to believe that we're in yet for some more trouble. And, and I think, you know, we're, um, I was told that the like-minded people are going to get together and form little groups, and we're going to basically end up in a, in a feudalistic system if we go, you know, off-grid back to the Stone Age, et cetera, if we have a, a Carrington event or if we have a breakdown or if we have a massive event or an asteroid or whatever. And I have a funny feeling where you get multiple of those. I don't think there's going to be just one or another. I think it's going to be a whole series of things going on. And I keep waiting. I didn't, frankly, you know, I didn't believe we'd going to get past 2013 when they were first here. I thought we were going to see massive issues. And I, I, I believed in the colliding bodies up to a point at that. And then I we witnessed evidence where they didn't. And then, then they did cycle after cycle, and we're like on our fourth or fifth cycle now. And we're, we've seen these events where terrible stuff, yay, yes, does happen, but far less than one would assume in certain cases. So it's hard to speculate, but I'm, you know, I don't even have to look outside anymore. I just know there's a lot of really nasty going on on our planet right now. And look at China. They're buried in snow right now. And the fires in Russia are still going on, and they're flooding in Russia. And Russia's having a terrible time, too, but they're just not talking about it. So how how um, 
premeditated is this? Is this the passing and the resetting? Is this just a natural event that the occupants are using to their advantage? Or is this something right. they're doing to us? No, well, we they can't. We can't say they're doing that to us because we were created and placed here in order to do this. This is why we're here. And I know a lot of people are going to dislike me for that and make some really nasty statements. And, and we're short-lived versions of a multiple genetic manipulation of them. And we are, they live far longer than we do. And so we're considered a replaceable bio-tool, self-replicating bio-tool. And they didn't believe that we would have a level of rights that we do, because we don't. There is, the, the, of course, the... the the prime directive and all of that, but um, they don't see us as having rights as long as we're not intelligent. And if we are low-minded, then they see us as animals because to them, we are. And we smell really bad, but they smell bad to us as well. Some of them, not all of them. There are cleaner races, but some of the races really, really reek and, and we smell to them and we're uncomfortable and like I said before, Cousin Eddie, you know, who drinks a lot of beer and comes and lives on our couch for six months, we're not welcome. And and we have to grow out of this and earn uh, higher levels of consciousness and respect for other races as well. Do they look so, like us? Well, we look like them. Yeah, we're, that's well, we're, we're a multi-mix. I don't know what the Nibiruans look like. I know what... A, the Pleiadian guy I was standing there talked to, he had a very elongated head. They looked very much human with, you know, except he was like seven feet tall and had a pointed features, almost pointed ears, a very pointed jaw, nose, and a rounded, elongated heads, just like uh, the early pharaohs of Egypt. So, you know, I, I don't even know that I could actually call him the Pleiadian, but I'm pretty sure that's what he was. And he, he asked me to refer to him as the student because me pronouncing his name would be insulted to him or whatever. And I thank the man for taking the time with me because he didn't have to, but they did. And I, 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 I A, it's a curse and it's also B, it's a gift. So, um, they, 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 we are supposedly, and this of course is some of the information I've been given them, but a good portion of rumor um, we're the blend of 12 other races and then added to the ape. And we're not the first version. There's been many other versions of us prior, smaller, larger, et cetera. Would to, those be the other prehistoric hominids? Yeah, Neanderthal, et cetera. And they're actually starting to discuss a third one that that has not been discussed openly, but there's also a genetic code that, they're, that they've called other for quite a while. You know, the 24andMe tests are all now coming out where they actually can read these a lot faster. So they've discovered another race as well. Oh, like Homo habilis or something you're saying is also showing I, up. I, can't, I can never remember the, the name of it. And I've, yeah, I've tried I get to what memorize, Yeah, I've tried to memorize it like four times, and it always slips my mind. I can't pull their name out of, out of the hat. I need to write it down where I can actually look at it. But there is another race blended in this with, that they've actually identified. I have 23 so, in me. I wonder if I have any of that. I know I have some Neanderthal in there. Well, look for where it says other. That's disturbing, though. I don't think I particularly like just other <laughs> showing up, you know. <laughs> well, the thing with it is, is there, it, you know, there are so many, and everybody doesn't take into account, they think our universe is the same age as all the other universes, and they're not. There's universes out there that are billions and billions and billions and billions of years old. So their tech is going to be so much 
farther advanced than ours. And there's a lot of races out there. And, they, you know, some of them may be appalling to us. Some of them might be attractive. Some of them might be glowing or or invisible. I, you know, I don't know. I've only met three. But, you know, and they're, they're, they're as far flung from each other as you could imagine. Uh, the lizard race, they're, they're really noble looking. They're almost like looking at a Klingon. And yet they're a lizard person with parts of their skin is soft and pink, and the other part is covered with green and scales. And they're run, roughly run about five foot eight, and they're and they're they're very charismatic, and they're also scary. And then there's the grays. They smell really really bad, and they're short, and they got massive big eyes, and they look like gray green leather. Some of them are one color, others you know there's different supposedly different variants of cast. And they smell, like I said, they smell really bad, and their skin does weird stuff when you touch it. And, you know, I mean, so we have to determine in our brains to get rid of some of this prejudice that we have, thinking that we're all that when we're not. You know, we're a blending of many races, so maybe we should be a little bit nicer. So basically, the overall message is that we're trying to convince our masters that we're worthy of freedom. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to show them that we can actually think and behave. Now, granted, we are intentionally bred to be greedy. That's within our natural makeup. Otherwise, we would not work really hard to dig all of this crap out of the ground, huh. and really hard, really hard. I mean, it's really hard to produce all of this stuff, and only to set it aside. Now, I don't know about if there's factions inside the Earth doing the same thing. I hear rumors. I imagine there are. Uh, the Magi were supposedly lizard race. And then there's the giants and stuff that there's, you know, and then the ghouls and God only knows what and all this other stuff they keep seeing. So I imagine there's a certain amount of underground activity going where they're mining a bunch of this gold because we did, we do know that there was this big, huge thing, that yellow pile of something that melted out of the ice in Greenland in 2012 that took roughly three or four weeks to make it disappear. As well as a large craft sighting from people in Iceland and stuff for over two weeks. They saw this massive ship parked above it. And when the ship was gone, so was the yellow pile. And it was big. Huh. It was really big. So, you know, there, I, I think that there's a faction underground mining as well. And then we don't even know about them. And they come up and say hi every once in a while. And, of course, governments suppress that when they're caught. You know, we don't have uh, too much more time here, so this is definitely something I want to cover uh, with some time to use. What are people, what should people be looking for in the next month or so? Okay, well, we, we've ended up the, we're at the end of the 180-day cycle, and so most of the destructive uh, discharge from the asteroids may be over. But the close passes are occurring, and we're seeing a very, very large presence of the Saturn's yellow moon on the right-hand side of the sun in the afternoons and evenings. And so we're going to see close-pass violent storms. We're going to see close-pass uh, planetary shadowing where we could probably instantly hop for 20, 25, 30 degrees, bang, instantly in, in regions where we could, you know, like in the movie 2012 where we can see sudden open-core freeze-outs. So, um, you know, be be ready in this winter to have some candles and stuff laying around in case the weather goes fast. I watched a video this morning 
of a passing storm that moved faster than anything I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was not just a storm. I think, I believe it was the base of a planet pass, but it was moving so fast, I couldn't believe it. I actually went to the person and said, is this sped up? And they said, no. And it's like, wow, that really hauled butt. I mean, hundreds of miles an hour. So, we, you know, like I, I've been telling people, if you still have the roof on your house, you are currently lucky. And I'm buying extra tarps in case mine gets ripped up again, because like two years ago it did, and my roof got ripped up, and we had a weird gust from past something, and my whole roof got ripped up. So, And then I had leaks in, on the one side of my house, and they cost me hundreds and hundreds of dollars to fix it. But anyway, yeah, um, here, so we, you know. Here in Oregon, ahead. we're definitely getting... You know, it's 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 colder earlier with some more moisture, which of course everybody is happy with because of the drought. You know, but uh, I was thinking about it in terms of of today's interview. Yeah, well, you're gonna have moisture rivers uh, because it's drawing up off the lower regions below Hawaii, which it normally never used to. It used to come off everything came off the Aleutians, but now there's a moisture band that is sucking up from south of Hawaii, literally off the central of the Earth troposphere. And going literally all over the United States, in Mexico, and Oregon, and you guys are going to have just this nonstop rain thing. You think you got normal rain? Wow! Wait till you see what's coming this year. You know, get out your boat, lash those Pepsi bottles together with wire. You know, you make an arc out of Pepsi bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Recycle the plastic a good way. Anyway, no, you you guys are going to have a horrible winter. And we're gonna, you know, I'm I'm hoping for a decent amount of snow that our that way we're not in drought next year. Yeah, that's what so, we're all hoping around here, too, is that... Something that, you know, freezes and stays up on top of the mountains and actually gives us enough water come springtime through the summer that will last. And, of course, we're seeing uh, an increase in the earthquakes and the volcanoes, and I do not doubt that we would see a, an American volcano anytime soon. Yeah, well, you know, growing up in Northern California, Southern Oregon, you know, I drive by Mount Shasta on a regular basis, which is a is a dormant volcano, or... Dormant's a relative oh, right. word, but... One of the seven sisters, yeah. But, um, you know, all through growing up, it had a glacier on it. You know, there right. was always a glacier. Now, when I drive by that thing in the middle of summer, it's like driving past Kilimanjaro. There's, like, no right. no pack on it at all. Right, right. And we've lost all our glaciers up here in Montana as well. My my father noticed it started in the 70s, and it actually broke, and he actually had tears rolling down his face in realization that we were losing our glaciers. And that was back in the 70s. So, yeah, um, we're, you know, if you're going to have water next year, we're going to be very lucky. Look at look at uh, Lake Como. Look at what's going to happen next year in California. You know, they dodged a bullet here with the rains that they did get this fall. But, you know, and then you're going to have, of course, mudslides and all this stuff from the Bernard areas. But, I mean, we could be very lucky if if they get the moisture we need to to refill next year for, you know, the growing season. Yeah. So I, I'm even thinking about, you know, buying rain barrels for myself in case that we do run into because one one year, about three years ago, the, the, the Lolo Creek a block away from my house dried up. And it's never done that. I've never known it to do that. We're talking mountain stuff that goes all year round, and it actually stopped right by my house. It's like, wow, this doesn't continue on. Now, that may have been over overwatering by the people up above, or it's, you know, the shape of things to come. Yeah, um, you know, let's say everybody looks up and everybody sees it. Let's say everybody knows. Everybody has gone through the stage of, we now know. If you could have them do one thing, 
once they know, what would be the thing that you would have people do? Okay, now you know. Now you need to do this. You need to understand this. You need to actively do this. What is the thing that they need to do once they know? We need to stop the greed cycle. We need to stop screwing people over so that you can have your million-dollar house and all of this. You need to start sharing around you because if you're standing in your million-dollar house by yourself, you can't grow enough food. And if we're going to, we, you know, if we're into a climate change scenario, it's going to be really hard to grow food. And look how grumpy and cranky everybody's getting with each other. And we got to stop that. We've got to stop hurting each other. We've got to start feeding each other. And, I, you know, I don't know what's going on in Asia and why all these people are, you know, being mean to each other over oil. And it's money. It's greed. And we've got to stop. We've got to all realize that, you know, we're all on this rock together. And we need to start doing things in a better way, in a nicer, softer way. Money does not mean success. You know, but it's it's hard to wrap your brain around because, again, this is reiterating the idea that we need to convince our masters, basically, that we're worthy of a seat at the table. Yet what they're doing to us feels like greed, doesn't it? Well, if they sit here and watch us screwing each other over, how do you think they're going to react to treat us? Well, look how these guys behave. So, you know, granted, they they have a level of control that we are acting this way for other reasons because of the greed factor is intentional. But um, the idea that some of us are allowed to evolve up to the Federation is a good one. And maybe we'll get longer lives as well and, and health. And, and uh, I'm sure that there's plenty of secrets that they could share in that department about us living longer. If we stop screwing each other over, I, you know, I, I, I've never been greedy. It's never existed in me. I, I've owned gold and stuff, and I've had money many times, and I just sort of share it with people in certain ways. And obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not a foot on somebody's back person. But I, I really believe that there, you know, let's let's go halfway. Let's go partially greedy and partially care for the earth. Let's let's take care of our fellow neighbor, and you know, he's not doing so god good. And let's go help him rake his yard today or something. Let's go let's go back to a little bit more simplistic life where we're not trying to make forty million dollars in our bank accounts on the bones of everybody we stepped on to get here. Right. You know, anyway, it's greed and millions and billions is not successful and it's not pretty. I don't see one millionaire out there I would actually respect. Yeah, that's a good point. Not a lot of not a lot of friend material out there in the upper tax brackets. I'd rather have the guy that comes over and tells me that my cow got out of the fence and have a beer with him than the guy that comes and tells me how I'm supposed to put my garbage can. Yeah. Well, I know this is a question I always close with, but I think it's a good one when we're dealing with this topic, and I think it's important to address again. And that is... <clears throat> Should people be scared? Because it's kind of hard to to have something that you fear, yet you're also supposed to sit back and relax and be nice. You know, that's that's not a very natural way to deal with things that we're scared of. You know, yeah, so it, boy, it, should yeah, they be it, scared? It boils down to, um, do we want the fear? Do we want to let them win with the fear? Um, yeah, we should all be scared because this is some, you know, there's people that have poor change, me included. And I'm fearful because believe me, I like driving down to the store and grabbing that gallon of milk off the shelf and paying for it and coming home rather than chasing the cow through the back 40 that I don't have. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're in trouble. And we're in trouble for a lot of other reasons. And the question is, is who do we want to hand the dollar to? Are we going to let them 
keep throwing all this money to this climate change and sequestration of carbon and everything when it's a natural process? Or are we going to focus on putting people with a roof over their head and something to eat while we can? I mean, 50-50. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all about this bailout package that the government is doing, but I'm also a little bit worried that nobody's watching who, who's spending the checks, you know? Did we put the fox in charge of the hen house again? Um, yeah. We, you know, that tends to be the, my political opinion as well. It's like people talk about welfare and food stamps. I don't have a problem with putting money into welfare and food stamps. I have a problem not knowing how many middlemen are in the way taken out taken out of the bucket and our schools our schools are horrible right we've lost we've completely and and and, you know who did we steal this from we stole this from our future these are our kids and these are the ones that we're supposed to be nurturing number one and if you come to montana and see our schools these are little cracker boxes where everybody's jammed in one little spot and they've got two and a half feet across the hallway from them and they're you know they're all jammed in there like sardines now in minnesota they've got big wide hallways and you know, a thousand students can walk through them. But in Montana, we've got these little nickel and dime schools because we don't have a lot of people nor a lot of money. But there should be, we should focus on the new stuff. Stop throwing money into these big memorials and skyscrapers and this and that and the other stuff. And we need to, you know, build our bridges again and our roads and our water stations and our health. I mean, look, look at our infrastructure with all the Michigan people being poisoned. Oh, right. We have we've completely forgotten about all of our infrastructure, and everybody who's like writing the checks on the top go, well, we can't pay for that. And yet, meanwhile, they're pulling in a million bucks a year from this, that, and the other thing, plus their congressional salaries and free, free medical health, free dental, free vision, free everything. And when they've got it all, we have nothing. And yet, those guys are the ones that are worried about writing a check, right. and yet they're making all the money. So our system is broken. We need to, we need to refocus on what's important. And I think a big, huge shock and some nasty, nasty occurrences is about the only thing that's going to teach us a lesson. And we need to, we need to learn it. Unfortunately, I think we have got something coming, and I think we deserve it. Well, I hope we do learn it because I agree. I mean, you know, like I said, it's uh, we we live in the world's richest country, yet we're like number twenty-seven or thirty or something on the education system how does that work how right. is how is well, that we've, acceptable? we've lost track of teaching what, what's important like shop class home economics oh i agree um uh health class um how to pay bills how to write a check how to interview for a job how to build this how to build that we they don't even have pe anymore and you're wondering why we're having 300 pound 12 year olds mm-hmm. well this is why plus our food is bad they're putting all these shelf life you know, enhancers, which is completely messed with us. And our children have been handed uh, steroids in their milk for generations now. We really need to focus on our health and, and instead of this greed factor. And like, look at the Japanese, you know, a tea ceremony. They actually take time to lay the spoon carefully. They actually take time to use, to pick the right cup and to boil the water slowly. We need to do that. We need to slow down and do things right instead of greed and fast and furious. It's not working. Yeah, unfortunately, we live in a world of fear, and fear is a great motivator to Right, and the question is, do, do we fall into the fear factor and let them win? Or do we rise above this, pull up our big boy pants, and do the right thing, 
and be a little less luxurious and a little less opulent. Settle for a little less and live a smaller, happier, slower life. Oh, it's, I it's, hope so. It's important, you know, I mean, we need to find ourselves again because we're lost. And and our behavior shows it. I mean, we're fighting each other. We're screaming at each other in the streets, um, pointing fingers over poli- small political matters that we used to actually commonly discuss across the dinner table. And they don't do that now. Now they start throwing things. Oh, yeah. Or shoot each other with AR-15s and stupid stuff like that. And it's just, we need to we need to step back a little bit and take it a little slower. And, uh, you know, an event might teach us the hard way. Yeah, unfortunately, slower is not something that uh, the world seems to be moving towards. Can you imagine, <laughs> you know, walking up to your 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 electrical panel and shutting the, everything off for two days, including your water, and trying to, you know, and I, I tell people, do that. Have a family gathering. I bet you can't get through one day. Oh, I got snowed into a cabin. Yeah, we, we talked about yeah, that on another greatest show. Greatest trip yeah. of my life. <laughs> Yeah, and you know those are the ones we remember. The, my greatest camping trips that I ever—I mean, I've been on hundreds with my family, all the way up to you know Montana backpacking, and you know the stove on the side of the glacier, and you know trying to get some hot soup going because you're freezing your butt off. Those are the ones that I remember. Those nice sunny days that I went camping where everything was peachy, and I don't even remember them anymore. But the ones I froze my butt off and I got rained out really bad—I remember every one of those. And so we, we need a little discomfort, and we need a little hardship, and we need to realize how hard it is to bake that loaf of bread out of something that you grew in your yard. You know, we've forgotten the process. We forgot how long it takes to make all of this stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, I sort of invented, before there was a paleo diet, I invented the caveman diet. Mm-hmm. And that was that you just have to do everything that a caveman do, does to eat, and you cannot eat anything that took technology. And you so, have to give five hours to have enough hot water and everything right. for everything. You know, you start cooking at noon to cook for dinner. Yeah, and if you want an by, apple, you, know, you got to climb a tree. That's the way it is. Right. <laughs> it, it, we, we've got to we've got to start viewing, and, and you know, and then people work together, and, and and this is why I study so much of Rome because they were right on the cutting edge of when technology started growing in, into human behavior, and how they built their you know their construction, and, and you know we can talk about. Uh, for instance, the number of people in India right now, the children that are dying because their mothers cook in the same room that they sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have carbon on the roof inside your tent or your lean-to or your cabin or your whatever you want to call it, and you breathe in that, and that water gets up on that carbon and it drips down, you are breathing a toxic substance mm-hmm. that gets into the lungs. And this is why most children that are dying in India are dying from pneumonia because of the, the carbon-causing pneumonia. So if you could, if we could even extend to the Indian population how to cook better or in a, in, a, in a unified shack and then sleep in a separate place that doesn't have all these carbon that they're not breathing all the time, right. which is why I cross-reference because that's what Romans did. They put the heating under the floor so the floor stayed warm rather than sleeping in something that opened fires inside their room because right. the people would get sick. And, and we have all these sicknesses and, you know, but of course we certainly need, uh, we need a, a level of uh, certain people dying on this planet rather than being born all the time. But, and I hate to go there, but we do have almost op- overpopulation and it's showing. And I think, you know, we're at, right at the hundred rat syndrome where we're just chewing at each other's heels because there's no room. Yeah. Population is a scary one because, you know, uh, our, our economy is based off of a growing population. 
yet our population is in some areas no longer growing and yeah i don't know it is a and then china has 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 reneged on their population control because now they realize that they've just lost a whole bunch of people and they're building all of these extra cities and most of that turns out is an economic thing where they're they're just paying people to keep moving because most of these uh, chinese citizens cannot even afford to move into those new empty cities they can't afford to and they haven't realized their economic status properly because they wrote the check before they got paid themselves and so they wrote a bounced check and now it's catching up to Beijing Cheng or whatever his name is and they did it they did a good thing but it didn't turn out and now with all the bad weather and the flooding and everything in the factories and then their argument with Australia about coal they're screwed and so we all I mean they have created a chink in the system so bad we are not going to recover from well <laughs> Let's hope we all decide to be a little bit nicer soon. Yeah, let's start building our own factories again because we're going to need to because our supply chain is is not going to recover. We're going to have to start doing everything ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that part's pretty scary. Easy is over, and now comes the tough stuff. And this is when you were asking, should we be scared? Yeah, we're we're now going to into a new world. Well, nobody deals with the tough stuff as good as Americans. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we used to be number one, and we're not anymore. We're watching the fall of Rome, and I hate to say that, but we are no longer number one. And but you know, the number one ones that are out there, they are all opulent and beautiful and tall and expensive and everything else, and they've written themselves into trouble too. And they need to take a step back, also. You're making and me feel like a soft-handed trust fund baby. Yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> No, I've, I've worked most of my life, and I've had a little money here and a little money there, and I worked and did okay. But there there should be a, a better premise where people are, are, are respected. I mean, we, they don't even respect intellectuals anymore. And, and the people that are, you know, popular are the Kardashians on TV, you know, and their $10,000 pair of sunglasses. It's like, you got to be kidding me. And, well, love and acceptance is as good of a message to uh, end this on as any, because I agree that... <laughs> Regardless of what the problem is, a little more love and acceptance is not going to hurt. Yeah, and we need to tone it down and realize we are not alone here, but we also need to be, I I put up a a thing, we are our brother's keeper, and I think we've forgotten that. So, uh, Montana Skywatchers 2 group on Facebook, that's still the best place to send people? Right. Um, and like I said earlier in the program, um, we don't know what's going to happen. They're just apparently can allow anybody in. I might have, I'm told I might have to go to private uh, membership only, but I mean, we've got 7,000 membership requests and I can't keep on top of it, but we try right. and we're still going and we're still going to keep sharing. And the, the main thing is to keep the worldwide uh, information coming in, whether or not we share too much of it, but so we stay on top of it is knowing where the stuff is so we can stay on top of it and get out the information, even if we have to start doing things differently. If I have to do a monthly snail mail newsletter, I will. But, you know, I'd hate to think I could do that, but I I would if I had to. So we'll see where it's going to go. Yes, Montana Skywatcher, too. And, of course, I'll always plug uh, Nibiru Followers Anonymous in case uh, you'd like a different avenue. And Rebecca's doing a phenomenal job, and, and, and so are all the moderators at Montana Skywatcher, too. 
and they're doing a really good job, even though we've got a lot of people complaining because everybody's being a Karen right now. Right. <laughs> we're, well, we're all miserable. We're all grumpy. We're all suffering from these passing planets, especially when Attu and Attu's moon goes over the top of us. It affects us all. And don't be surprised if people get mad and crazy around you. Just expect the fact that maybe it's not their fault. And we have to be a little bit, little kinder on some of the crazy that's about to befall us. Yeah. Well, I agree. All right, Sam. Well, it's always nice having you on. Um, thank you. And thank you again for coming on. And uh, you've been listening to Samuel Hoffman here on Radio Wasteland.